and, and you'll see why here hopefully in a minute. Uh, it's a very significant foundational doctrine. And, uh, you know, more than feeling like we go to school, uh, <laughs> sometimes with this style of, of sermon, I, I want us to also recognize the power of God at work here and the impact that it has on your life here and now for walking out your faith in Christ. So there's a story of C.S. Lewis at Christmas time. Uh, his window was open at the university there, and there was a skeptical faculty member who was a friend and acquaintance of C.S. Lewis. And he was sitting in his office visiting with him. And coming in through the window, they could hear carolers, carol, carolers, sorry, singing uh, Christmas carols. And one of the carols ended up being about the virgin birth. And so the friend sort of condescendingly and knowingly shakes his head to C.S. Lewis and says, aren't you glad that we know virgins don't have babies? <laughs> and C.S. Lewis pauses for a moment and says, don't you think they knew that too? Isn't that the whole point? The whole point. It's not the people were running around having virgin births. It's a singularity in history. It's a miracle of Almighty God. And it's intended to be that way because it makes us sit up and pay attention and go, nothing like this has ever happened in all of history. Something really awesome must be happening here. Uh, there are miraculous births and conceptions, um, things like that. You know, in fact, when the angel talks to Mary, she reminds Mary that her older cousin Elizabeth has conceived and that in and of itself is a miracle. Um, but that is exactly the point that when we talk about conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, we are pointing to these two great realities that are absolute unprecedented miracles of the faith. So the first part of the phrase, conceived by the Holy Spirit, that is extremely important. Okay? There have been, we always talk about the creed being a guard against heresies and that kind of thing. And I'm not going to go this morning into all of the heresies that crop up when we get rid of conceived by the Holy Spirit or born of the Virgin Mary. Suffice to say that it attacks at the very heart of the humanity and the Godship of Jesus Christ. Um, we have to go back to Genesis to explore this and to understand it a little bit. Um, Adam and Eve, right? Right back at the very beginning, they were created in God's image. They are placed in the Garden of Eden. God says, take care of the garden, steward the garden. They were free to eat anything in there except the one thing that they did eat, right? We know the story. Um, <clears throat> the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan deceives them. It's an attack. Um, and there's a fall. Adam and Eve are tempted. They disobey God. And as Adam and Eve's spiritual descendants, we were supposed to have an eternal blessing in the garden since we could eat of the tree of life, but we lost this blessing. It's through original sin it's the fall, right? I know you're probably tracking with me. You've heard this before. It's not the first time. The Apostle Paul says it way better than I can. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, uh, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all have sin, sin has caused us to face eternal separation from the Lord. 
And so for God to resolve this fundamental issue, the Lord has to send the one who is like the mighty God and the fragile human being, who can sympathize with us in our weakness, yet live without sin, divine, human, and sinless as our Savior, who can mediate between God and sinners. So Jesus is known in many ways in Scripture and in song, the second Adam, because he's restoring all things. Um, So being conceived by the Holy Spirit is important because Jesus' human line tracks through Mary and goes all the way back through the line of David, okay? But he was born sinless because of his paternal lineage through God by the Holy Spirit. You with me? Yeah? Okay, all right. So, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ settles all of these conditions. A divine, a human, and a sinless Savior. So, in the world, no one could satisfy that except Jesus. That's the reason that Jesus was born through the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. This divine and holy infant is the Son of God and has not been infected by the sinner's blood of Adam. So the blood of Jesus on the cross is the only one that could help us uh, become a new creature, but also start a new beginning as God's masterpiece in creation. Uh, Something else that the virgin birth helps us to understand is that we could never achieve our own redemption. Just as God had to act in the beginning to create, there was nothing. And then God creates by the Spirit hovering over the water, right? Uh, Jesus' conception was a special work of the Holy Spirit when he overshadowed Mary in the same way he hovered over those waters at creation. And in Mary, he formed a new start to humanity. It was at that point that the cycle was finally interrupted. And when Christ completed his work, the power of sin and death was broken. And those chains that had entangled us were forever broken for all eternity for those that would receive him. So I got to take a look with you at Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bible, flip over there, please. We're going to go back to Christmas here for just a minute, actually, properly, Advent, okay? <laughs> So think snow, uh, Christmas carols, and angel visitations. So here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse, wow, I can't see it, at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So let's just imagine for a moment that you're maybe a 14-year-old girl betrothed to this guy. You have your whole life ahead of you. Things are really looking up. You're excited about your upcoming wedding. And boom, <laughs> here's this angel saying all of this stuff. When the Bible says that she was greatly troubled at the saying, that's probably a nice way of saying she was freaking out just a little bit, you know? When people see angels, they tend to be sore afraid, not, oh, wow, there's an angel. <laughs> um, so then going on here, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Right? So she hears all of this, and not only does she hear that she's going to have a son, but he's the Messiah foretold by the prophets through the line of David, and her whole world is coming to an end in the back of her mind right now. Like, oh my goodness, this was not in the plan. <laughs> and the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, no way, angel. That's the, no, she didn't say that. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Born of the Virgin Mary, this is one of the very first miracles on which many other miracles are based in the life and the presence of Jesus. If we throw out the virgin birth, we might as well get rid of the incarnation. We might as well also get rid of the resurrection. You know, it's, it's the first in a line of miracles. And why shouldn't there be miracles? Because God is working out his purpose in miraculous ways and it's intended to get our attention and make us sit up and go, what is happening? God is moving. So there's a few things that I'd like to go through with you about what makes this significant for us. Um, the virgin birth is really important because it's, it's firstly the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, it says this explicitly. He says that all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. If the virgin birth doesn't happen, that Old Testament prophecy does not get fulfilled. Um, and so the rabbis before the time of Christ expected the Messiah to be born miraculously. This was one of the signs of the Messiah coming. Um, and so because of this Old Testament prophecy, this virgin birth is highlighted. It's seen as something that was foretold and that people were looking ahead to. The virgin birth, as I mentioned before, also is really a testimony of Jesus' role as Messiah. Um, 
the angel in Luke 1.32 tells Mary that this little boy that she is going to bear, is he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Like, lights are going off for Mary right now, probably. You know, she probably knows um, the prophecy and the lineage and all of that. And, and all this is making some sense to her. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This is not just some human kid that you're giving birth to. This is the one that has been foretold that is coming to save his people, the Messiah. He is the one you've been waiting for. The virgin birth is also a testimony to the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, there are lots of heresies out there in all different flavors that try to say how Jesus isn't God. That he didn't become divine until the Holy Spirit came upon him. That he was born in sin. There's all this stuff. And we can, you can ask about that if you want to know more about that in greater depth when we have more time. But um, <clears throat> Matthew says that this prophecy was fulfilled uh, from the prophet Isaiah when they said, They shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the deity of Christ in God, in Christ, God with us, Emmanuel. Also in Luke, where we just read, he is the son of the Most High. It's not Joseph's kid. Because we know that you're a virgin, Mary. Um, this is the son of the Most High. Uh, another thing the virgin birth points to that's really key for us is that uh, it's a testimony to the humanity of Jesus Christ. Like, we... We can't sort of discount the human side of Christ and say, well, it's not fair. You know, he didn't sin. Uh, it's a lot harder for us because Jesus was the God-man, you know. Um, he didn't really have to struggle with it. In fact, in Scripture, we're told that he was tempted in every way that we are and yet did not sin. Look what happened right after he was baptized. He was sent out into the wilderness, right, for 40 days and nights, was tempted by Satan. Um, and he didn't sin. He brought the word uh, of the Lord to bear against the wiles of the enemy. And so he's not created out of like some heavenly substance. He is flesh. Incarnation literally means God in the meat. Okay? It's, so, you know, it's, it's a very dramatic understanding that it isn't just God masquerading as man. Jesus is fully man. And fully God, unique in all of history. He is created from the substance of Mary and comes from the line of David, all very real people. It's also a testimony to the sinlessness of Jesus, and we talked about that just a little bit. Um, this virgin birth helps us to appreciate how Jesus was not born into a fallen state because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He has an interruption in the fallenness that has beset mankind since Adam and Eve. We have built-in sin. Jesus did not. So a lot of the faith hangs on the virgin birth. Uh, if we are willing to discard the virgin birth, then the very nature of Jesus needs to be discarded. And then he was just a nice man that walked the earth and got murdered because he got in too many people's way. And his body is still in the ground someplace. And we are believing something that is hopeless and are going to get a really rude awakening one day.
but we know that that's not the case, right? By faith, we believe these miraculous things have happened. And uh, if we are Christ's, then the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirits that we are Christ's. We read that in Scripture, that it is, in fact, true. So I want to encourage you today. I mean, I realize we talked about some things that might sound like school a little bit, but I want to encourage you in your faith and say, that God is a God of miracles, and nothing is impossible for God. Uh, look at Mary's response to the Lord. We looked at it just a moment ago. Let it be unto me according to your word. You know, Mary gets her doors blown off. The angel shows up, says all these things. And she had a plan, probably, in her life. She, you know, in, in modern times, you know, would be picking out the dress and figuring out the venue and all of these things. And, you know, maybe hired a wedding planner uh, <laughs> and going through all of that stuff. And all of her hopes and all of her dreams about family and future and being married to a carpenter and having a good life set up ahead of her. All of a sudden, that was hanging in the balance of whether or not God was going to keep his promises. And she questions. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? She takes it in. She's kind of overwhelmed by it. She questions. And then more information is given to her. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. This kid is the Messiah from the line of David, the son of the Most High God, all the way down the line. And then in that moment, she has to decide, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to be obedient? Am I going to follow? Am I going to accept what God is asking of me very clearly here? Do I trust that God will keep his word and keep his promises? Because she knows that if, she, if God does not keep his promises... Her life is coming to an end. Joseph is going to divorce her. Um, she's going to be put out of her family, put out of the synagogue. She will have no life except to be begging on the streets. Her future will be gone and she'll probably die an early death as an outcast. She had everything to lose, but she trusted God. She trusted his promises. And so when he says, I am with you, God means it. And so whatever you are facing personally, whatever we may face as a church, if God is calling and guiding, and we say, yes, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. If we obey and follow, we cannot fail. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen.